Hey guys, this is Pastor Zach, and you are listening to Sermon Notes here at HPC. We were in Matthew 12 a couple weeks back, and uh, we talked about Jesus reminding the Pharisees that a kingdom divided can't stand. And they were reminding him of how unsanctified they were when they say, hey, this is a... Uh, this is uh, the, the spirit of Satan casting out these devils. And he says, no, it can't be that. And he reminds them that you can blaspheme anything, but when you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, it's unforgivable. And, uh, and he moves from there right into this teaching that we're going to talk about. And I, I want to um, not remind you of a controversial message, because it was controversial, a little bit. There were some people who were struggling with that whole idea of an unforgivable sin. Um, and how many of you, like, we do struggle with the red letters, don't we? We struggle with the teachings of Jesus because they do challenge us. And like Dave said this morning, like, this stuff is hard to really hear it without a filter, without a theology filter that helps us digest things that are hard to reconcile with the stuff in us that wants to stay comfortable. And so, um, Lord, help us, help us to move past that. But he moves right from this teaching. In fact, there might be a subheading in your Bible, but how many of you know that in the conversation there wasn't a subheading? Jesus just keeps talking, and he says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. Now again, he's saying this on the heels of the ones who were accusing him of being possessed by Satan and by Satan's power, casting out demons. And so he is saying, no, you can't do the good thing from the bad and the bad thing from the good. He says in verse 34, you brood of vipers. That's one of a small handful, maybe four times, when Jesus turns on the Pharisees and literally calls them a brood of vipers. How can you, being evil, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good man bring out of his good treasure what is good. And the evil man brings out of his evil treasure what is evil. Isn't that funny? Evil treasure. Is it possible that we're protecting and preserving and valuing something that might even fit the bill here? But I tell you that every and my Bible says careless. Thank you for your prayers. My new American standard has been rebound. The Lord brought it back to me from the faraway pagan country of New Jersey. Thank you. Thank you for those who were praying and fasting. It's home. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, you ready for this? They shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. See, Jesus says stuff, I mean, just, he's like rapid fire, just machine gun, like, theology canceling, okay? And here we go straight from seeing something as simple as, wait a minute, there's a, there's a sin there's a sin that I've got to, and if you need to go back and listen to that message, go back and listen to it if you weren't here. I don't even know what week it was. Just listen to all of them. Um, but he goes back and he says, 
not only is that the case, not only is there something that you've got to stand before the Lord and, and, and make sure that you're not blaspheming the Holy Spirit, but now he's saying, by your words, you will be justified. When? On the day of judgment, when you're held account for your words, by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you'll be condemned. Zach, are you changing the gospel on us? No, we're going to get to it. But I just want to set the stage, keep you with your seatbelt on, all your hands and feet inside the vehicle at all times, okay? Let's take this from the top. This is a short message, so we'll have you out of here in no time. But verse 33 says, make the tree and its fruit either good or corrupt, right? Make the tree. What does that mean? Some of your Bibles translate that word consider or 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 whatever it says there, it comes from a Greek word, poieo, and poieo literally means to produce or create. It's the act of producing or creating. And what Jesus is saying is very interesting here. He's saying either create, he's saying either create the tree good and its fruit good, or create, produce the tree that is bad and its fruit bad. This is both in and of yourselves, but also in how you project your own judgment and evaluation. He, this, was, this was him speaking to them about what they just said about him. And I think this is interesting, saints, this word create or produce. If you're a creator in here, I think creator and I think Jim Hainan, um, I, think, um, I think some of the artists in the house uh, the whole Hainan family are creators. And they can take a story and spin it any way you want it. And w- one time we were talking about, we were working on a worship project. And one time uh, he's pointing out to me that you can play any kind of music behind uh, any monologue and create any atmosphere you want. You can take a really, um, you can take a really sad story and just play, you know, some happy circus music behind it. And everybody is fooled into thinking that this is not sad. This is actually happy. And what's interesting is that the creative ability in us was put there by the Father, the Creator. Creativity. And when we are imagining things, when we are speaking things, we are creating things. And it's so important that we understand that, that he calls us into this creative process. But as we create, we've got to be careful what we create. And Jesus says, make sure it's consistent. Either create a good tree that produces good fruit or create in your evaluation, produce in your understanding, in your projection, something bad that's making something bad. The problem with us, saints, is that we're trying to create this alternate reality where good fruit can come from the world or that something bad can come from the Word of God. You ready? The Pharisees, this is not new. The Pharisees, if you remember the Pharisees, when they had trouble with Jesus, who did they go to? Rome. They thought that they could rectify a situation. They were looking for solutions to a problem where they gave up trying to find it in Scripture because it wasn't in there. They tried that first, and when that didn't work, instead of 
what Dave came down and shared this morning, which was, hey, maybe our minds need to be changed on this a little bit. They said, I know where we can solve this problem. The world. Let's go find a good solution in the big bad world that we've been condemning and preaching against ever since we got started. Seems kind of ironic, doesn't it? Seems kind of like the American church of 2023. How often are we going to the world to rectify our situation? There's a reason why the Bible says, take not a brother to court. Ah, <laughs> oh, shoot. Ah, oh, shoot. Hey, I'll throw something out there. What if, we, what if we didn't need the American judicial system to solve our problems for us? I'm not going to stand up here and condemn anybody that's ever been a part of a lawsuit or, or hired a lawyer or had to defend yourself or anything like that. That's not, do not misunderstand me. Because I think that there have been incredible places in recent history where the Lord has used the things of the world. The Lord has used the corruption of the world and he has uh, achieved a desired result, if you will. And I'm not afraid of that. But imagine a church that not only didn't need the world, but refused to go to it for solutions. Imagine, imagine if we could see a bad tree and call it bad and know that its fruit was bad. Imagine if we could just hear the Lord saying, echoing throughout the ages, this is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You can eat from anywhere else, not this one. Lord, help us. But it works on the other side of the coin, too. In the same way that we can go to something bad and try to find something good in it. And I don't mean in a redemptive or reconciliatory way. I mean in a way where we resort back to the desires of our flesh when maybe the Lord was denying us the solution to achieve a desired result in us. But listen, in the same way... We can look at that which is good. We can look at that which is holy. We can look at that which is incorruptible. And we can pick and pull and poke and prod and make accusations like these Pharisees were of Jesus. And saints, I want to say something this morning. Just because there is stuff in the word of God that we'd rather not taste doesn't make it distasteful. And it doesn't make it not true. And I know that there were two negatives in that statement. Get over it. Grammar, grammar people. It's the summer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It doesn't make it not true. We've gotta, we have got to get a hold of this. That everything in here is good and useful. It's sound for teaching. Even the things that don't line up with what we think the other things mean. How many of you pray before you get into the word? I had to because there was too much in here that I couldn't understand without the spirit of God illuminating it. And the rest of it, I was afraid to understand it in my own understanding. Holy Spirit, illuminate this word. Bring it to life in me. Whether it's one word that I'm going to meditate on the rest of the day, whether it's just the little passage in the daily bread or the, the verse at the end of the Oswald Chambers chapter, whatever it is. 
Holy Spirit, bring it to life in me so that I don't allow this world to fool me into thinking that there's anything in here that needs to be thrown out, that there's anything in here that needs to be omitted, that there's anything in here that isn't historically consistent with what modern culture says should be. Okay, so in verse 34, Jesus fires that shot across the bow. I love it. You brood of vipers. Depending on what translation you have, that word uh, is perhaps more accurately translated generation. Some of you says you generation of vipers. And it comes from a Greek, uh, genemus, and it literally is where we get generation from. It's, uh, we'll translate it in other places as uh, seed or uh, gene- genealogy, generation, any generational. It all comes from this same root idea. You generation of vipers, offspring, seed, fruit. When he says it, he's making a generational indictment. And he calls to attention the source. He says, you're the offspring of something, something that has existed far before you, long before you were ever born. What you have tapped into, Pharisees, what you have tapped into, you who are trying to call uh, bad things good and good things bad, which we see that later in the New Testament too, right? That is the corruption of this world. That is the perversion of this world. And no matter how much we sugarcoat it or whitewash it or rebrand it or, or, or shine it up, there is simply no escaping it. And Jesus says, he says, you're not the originators of this thought. You think you're discovering something here, but you're not. You're actually the offspring of the offspring of the offspring of the offspring of the seed of Satan. When he planted it into the soul of man. And to this brood of vipers, he says, how can you say anything good? How can you accept as godly anything which is corrupt? And then he says that famous line that we just are epic about taking out of context. He says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. Has anybody ever, have you ever known anybody that, um, you know, you say like one thing that's like a little sharp or bitey or sarcastic and it's just like triggers their like, they're like old churchy responses out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. <laughs> There's always going to be a Karen in every room that's going to say that to you. All right. They're always going to do it. Just Listen. This is not, Jesus is not saying this to somebody who, you know, says one, you know, politically incorrect thing and gets crucified for it. That's not what this is about, okay? It's not, he's not saying it to somebody who, you know, you know, forgets their save for five seconds and, you know, says something like, no, he's saying out of that which fills your heart. What fills your heart? What fills your heart, if it really fills it, it overflows. And when it overflows, it comes out of your mouth. That's why I'm convinced 
that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is accompanied by something verbal. Because if it's really bubbling up out of you, it's going to come out somewhere. It's going to come out everywhere. Right? In every aspect of your life. Not just here, not just there, but everywhere there's fruit, that fruit is going to taste like what that tree is made of. Y'all don't even like this message yet. We should just go, just come up and let's just go back into what. <laughs> Out of the abundance of the heart. Even though Jesus doesn't mention, even though he doesn't mention it by name in this little passage of scripture, this is really about holiness. This message is really at its, at its core, it's about Holiness. And it's about understanding that unholiness, unholiness is not the enemy of holiness. We think it is. But unholiness is not really the, 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 uh, the opponent here. It's, it's pseudo-holiness. It's faux-holiness. Foliness. Because it's, it's this idea that we can set something apart. We can go to the world and we can pull out this thing, right? Because that's what holiness means, right? Set apart. I mean, set apart. And so we, we want to ascribe as holy something that we find value in, even though the indictment here is that, no, that's tied into a lineage. That's tied into a heritage of corruption, of perversion, now, again, if you know me, if you know Zach, I am Captain Redemption. I am a, a big advocate that Satan cannot create. He can only corrupt. Oh. Check one, two. My guy Joe on the soundboard. What's going on, dude? My guy. That's it, dude. That's it. Twelve years and it's over. We just broke up. <laughs> we want to set it apart. We want, to, we want to decide that it's valuable. We want to decide that it's holy. We want to decide that it's worthy. But saints, what really requires redemption from us is to take that which has been corrupted and bring it back into righteousness. Not to settle for it in its corrupted state and say, no, I can actually use that corruption to my advantage. No, no. It's that that can be restored back into the, the true, sanctified, sacred space that it was meant for when God first gave it to us. Talent, ability, giftings, the world itself that's been worshipped and idolized. It's this idea of, no, restore it back to order. Don't take it in its out-of-order state and call it good. The mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. Our mouths create. And when they create, they reproduce what is in us. What is in us. I was sitting at a restaurant in downtown Providence a number of years ago. And I loved this restaurant. And my wife and I would go sometimes for breakfast. And it's a... It's a uh, it's a really artsy, eclectic place. And 
we're in there one day, and Ashley's like way more discerning and sensitive to spiritual things than I am. And so I lean heavily on her when it comes to, you know, hmm, okay, probably I'll take your word for it, you know? She leans on me when it comes to picking things up and putting them down. <laughs> and she doesn't lean too heavily on me for it. But we go in one day, and, and the artwork was always changing. They were always um, spotlighting different artists. And we go in one day, and, um, and I see as we're walking in, I'm in front of her, because I always go in front of her. Because I was like, I'm going to get to the table. I want to decide where I want to sit. Get behind me. And uh, just kidding. So I'm on my way to the table, and I see immediately um, the artwork that's on the wall, and it is like, dark. I mean, it is straight out of hell, honestly, like evil, evil, evil artwork. And I'm like, crap, I really want to eat breakfast here this morning. (laughs) So as we get closer, I'm trying to get Ashley's attention to look at me. And I'm like trying to seat her with her back to that wall so that she's not looking at it because I can ignore it and just enjoy my Benedict. And I as, as, we, uh, as we sit down, um, she's just like, this place is dark. She's just feeling it. That's on the wall behind her. She can't even see it, but she's sensing it. And I think that was probably like the last time we ever ate there. But the idea is that that artist, there was something in them. And as they created, that thing came out. And sometimes it's with a paintbrush and sometimes it's with our words. But it's going to come out. Whatever we're brimming with, whatever we're filled with overflows. Have you ever been so full you thought if you open your mouth and lean over it was going to fall out? (laughs) Yeah, it's a different problem. That's right, yeah. We'll have an altar call for that later. If you're so full of the Holy Spirit, you won't be able to to produce good fruit. Out of the abundance, the abundance, the abundance of the heart. If you want to take anything to the bank this morning, you can write this down. Your life will harvest whatever your mouth sows. Your life will harvest. You see, some of us, we have promises in our heart. And those promises are good. And those promises are yes. And those promises are amen. But we can't figure out how to get those promises from here out of here. And so what happens instead is the world creates our life for us. The world creates our surroundings and our circumstances and our situations. And so we have really no choice if we're not going to create with our mouths that which is good, that which is in us, then what we end up doing is coming into agreement with that which is around us. And our words, instead of coming from here, they come from here this general, not so much here or here, but like right here. And as they come out, we come into agreement and we end up just creating more of what the world wants us to believe we have to create. More of the mess. More of the mess. More of the mess. But your life will always harvest what your mouth sows. If you want your life to reap the benefits of the promises in your heart, Make sure your mouth is sowing these seeds, not these observations, these promises, okay? Not these perceptions, 
It's difficult. It changes. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a habit, and we've got to break it. We've got to create a new one. We've got to retrain our minds. Okay, that which fills the heart. Now, he, he says something here that's really um, not any fun to hear at all. He says, but I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an account for it on the day of judgment. Every careless word. Some of your Bibles say every idle word. Now, I hate this because I am, I am a guy that like, and you can ask our staff, like I will sit in our staff meetings and cry about the fact that we are going to stand before God one day and have to answer for the gifts the treasures, not just, you know, we, we always think we're going to have to stand before the Lord and answer for all our sins and blah, blah, blah. Well, our sins are covered under the blood of Jesus. Amen? And if they're as far as the east is from the west and the Father already forgot them, then anything under the blood of Jesus, we're not going to have to stand before the Lord and be held accountable for. Because Jesus already took that account to the cross, paid that account, and it's over. Amen? Good. Okay. We're just getting that out of the way. But what about your words? What about your words? Every careless word, every idle word. You know that comes from a Greek word, argos. And argos is only used, I think, eight times in Scripture. And it literally means barren or unfruitful. Interesting, isn't it? In fact, one place where it is actually translated as barren is in Second Peter Chapter 1, when Peter writes, giving all diligence, he says, add to your faith virtue, and to your virtue knowledge, and to your knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness charity. And then he says this, he says, for if these things be in you and abound, there's your abundance, whatever's abounding, Whatever's overflowing, if these things be in you and abound, they will make you that ye shall neither be barren, argos, nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the barrenness. When those things aren't abounding, that's the unfruitfulness that comes out of us. That's, that's when we're creating but not creating. Like with a, with a paintbrush working on this beautiful canvas with nothing but tap water. And we can't figure out where the fruit is. We can't figure out where the expression is of the promises of God. It's because we're dipping into something else. We're dipping into something hollow, something temporary, something that dries up and leaves no trace of the goodness of God. But when these things are in us, these things that the Spirit brings and abound, we will be rendered neither fruitless nor barren. But the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ begins to produce in us and through us and from us heaven. Heaven. Imagine that. If we were our own answer to our own prayer, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How does it come? Through the bride. Through the church. Through you, and you, and you, and you, and you. And he finally puts this cherry on top. Thanks, Jesus. 
For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Okay, Zach, what about being justified by faith? What about being justified by faith? I thought that that was the gospel, that we're justified by faith. Okay, well, let me ask you this, because I agree with you. But where does that faith live? It lives in your heart. And from where does your mouth speak? From that which fills your heart. Your words that justify and condemn, your words are simply the litmus test of what's really in your heart. And so when Jesus says things like, whatever sins you forgive will be forgiven unto them, and whatever you retain will be retained. Because what are you doing? You're creating a world for yourself and for others that either brings the kingdom, either heaven is coming and the Father's will is being done through those things and sins are being erased and forgiven and forgotten or they're being retained along with their curses and their bondage and their oppression and their weight. So yes, we are justified by faith, but that faith lives in our heart. And if that's what's in your heart, saints, if that's really what's in your heart, then your words will speak it. Your words will produce it. Your words will create it. Would you stand with me? There's so much power in the tongue. It's crazy because when our lives are being tossed about to and fro, we think it's a storm, right? It's the stormy seas of life. Arr. No, it's not. It's the rudder. It's the rudder. It's the tongue. In, um, in prophetic dreams, there were like these go-to interpretations and, uh, you know, things that just typically are symbolic of things. And typically in prophetic dreams, vehicles are um, symbolic or representative of ministries. And it's interesting that James uses this illustration, this metaphor of a ship and a rudder and the tongue. Because when I look out over this room, I see all your lives. The pastor in me sees your lives. And then the apostle in me sees your calling and the ministry and the destiny and the purpose. The pastor in me sees the tree and the apostle in me sees the fruit. And I, and I look out over this room and, I, and I'm so blessed and so blown away by the fact that these ships have given themselves over to the sawmills of heaven to be turned into magnificent vessels, a fleet, a royal fleet, captained by heaven's finest, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, 
And yet, no matter how marvelous and how, how glorious that fleet is, if those rudders aren't speaking of the promises, if those rudders aren't creating a path that is true, that is perfect, that is holy, we'll see them all washed ashore, dashed on the rocks, storm or no storm. And usually it's not the storm we think it is. So often our lives are just reflecting the chaos that our mouths are producing. And saints, I wanna encourage you as Jesus says it right here. How does that justification work? It works when, well, some self-control involved. We talked about that the other week. But it works when what we produce, when what we create, when our engineering efforts and Yankee ingenuity goes to town on something and what is produced and what is rendered on the other side is heaven. Heaven, heaven, heaven. And so I want to challenge you, saints, as you go out into this week, know and be confident in the power that you've been given. Know and walk in the boldness of a people who speak with authority for better or for worse. It's up to us to make it for better. Amen? Amen. Lord, we love you. And we thank you. We thank you for the times when, Lord, we've, uh, we've, speaking, we've been speaking ourselves in so many circles that we create our own wake and nearly capsize from the waves that we actually create. God, I pray that you would steady our hand at the wheel and that we would take ownership and responsibility for the course that you have set before us, the course that you've called us to. I thank you for your word and even where it hurts, God, that we would respond by taking inventory of our lives and inventory of our words. Lord, we don't want to be barren or fruitless. But Lord, we truly want to add to our faith that which fills us, that which overflows, that which abounds within us, that your kingdom would be created through every word. Yeah. Every word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is Pastor Zach, and you've been listening to HPC Sermon Notes. Love you guys, God bless you, and have the best day of your life.